beginning a brand new series for the Christmas season called Hope Has Come. When Jesus stepped down from heaven 2,000 years ago to come to earth, he came as the hope of the world. He is the only hope that mankind has. One of the, uh, over the next four Sundays, over the four Sundays of December, we'll examine this hope and the hope that has come to earth and the hope that ultimately one day will come again. As Jesus, uh, he is in heaven today preparing a place for those of us who know Christ as our Savior. This year may have been a difficult year for you, maybe for you or in your family. Uh, many have uh, had a season of loss in 2022 and maybe it's a loss of jobs, a loss of loved ones. Maybe it's a loss of your health and the beauty of this relationship with Jesus is we know that this world is not our home. I'm reminded of that, and uh, I take great pleasure and joy in that, knowing that, folks, if all the things that are happening in this world, if this all we have to look forward to, all that we have to live for, folks, uh, we're all uh, most miserable because, folks, every single day, it seems like things are getting worse and worse in our, in our society, in our culture, in our city. But yet, folks, if we know Jesus Christ, he is the hope of the world, and folks, he gives us hope in times of, of despair, in times of, of trouble. And today, if you know Jesus, our hope is forever settled in heaven. Jesus Christ did come, and he made possible a right relationship ultimately with God, and we're excited today. The good thing is he's coming again one day. He is coming again, and today the Word of God says he is currently preparing a place for those of us who know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Christ is the hope of the world. In John chapter 14, the word of God says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many, what, church? Mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself that where I am, there you may be also. Whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not uh, whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And I love verse 6. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Folks, we have a hope, and it's our hope this morning is not in our bank account. It's not in our our houses, our cars, our boats, our vacations, all of the things that money can buy. Our hope this morning is, is completely rooted in the rock of Jesus Christ. Folks, he is the hope of the world. And my hope this morning is that you know him personally. There is hope as a, a hope has come. But even better news is he is also coming again. And folks, the word of God says he's coming to take those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's going to take us home to heaven. And uh, this world is not the end. This world is not our home. And he, hope has come. Hope is coming again. For those who have lost loved ones, we have the hope of seeing them one day in heaven. In fact, every funeral I've ever uh, led or been a part of, you, I always leave them when, when they know Jesus Christ is your Savior. It's different when you're preaching a service of someone who's gone on to heaven because there is hope. We know that this world, uh, death, is, is, has no sting. Folks, Jesus Christ is, will see them again in heaven. We have an opportunity to see them in a place called heaven. Jesus is coming again. He's going to take those of us who know Christ 
uh, to be with him in heaven for all eternity. This is huge. That is the story of Christmas. It's hope that Jesus offers. Heaven and earth were reunited. The Old Testament saints looked for the long-awaited Messiah that was promised so long ago. They looked forward to the miracle of salvation. They looked for the hope of all mankind. They looked for signs and were waiting for the Messiah to come onto the scene. Multiple Old Testament prophecies told of his first coming. Isaiah 4, 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Imagine being a part of those Old Testament saints that are holding to the promise, the hope that is coming, the hope that is one day going to come onto the scene. The prophet Isaiah gives the manner in which Jesus would come to earth. He would be born of a virgin. She would conceive and bear a son by way of the Holy Spirit. He will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Folks, this is uh, pointing to the fact that hope is one day coming. Hope would ultimately one day come onto the scene. Over in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, the word of God says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called what church? Wonderful Counselor. What's the next two words? Mighty God. Keep reading. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When you're looking for hope this morning, we're looking for the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace to this world. Because without Jesus Christ, there is no peace. But to know God, to know Jesus, is to know and experience true peace. The prophet Isaiah wrote about this 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah, he, the prophet Isaiah spoke of a son who would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He indicated the son would reign on the throne of King David and this reign would be everlasting. Christians acknowledge that this prophecy is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of King David and whose reign is everlasting. And folks, today, over 2,000 years later, the, this very teachings of Jesus govern our lives as followers of Jesus for millions and millions of Christians all around the world we are governed by the words of Jesus. The New Testament also says that Jesus will one day return in the future, that his kingdom ultimately will have no end. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephatha, he says, Who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The prophet Micah prophesied approximately 800 years before Jesus would come on the scene and be born in Bethlehem. In fact, this was the most unlikely birthplace for a king to be born. But had Herod, had the, the wise men uh, understood the, the uh, prophecy of the Old Testament, they would know exactly where Jesus would be born because Micah told us 800 years before he was born. And, and they would have known exactly where to look for the Christ child. Hosea chapter 11, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. This prophecy was also spoken 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? 
all throughout the Old Testament, there was prophecy telling us hope is coming. Hope is coming, looking forward to the day that Jesus would come to be the Savior of the world. This verse looks backward and forward. In fact, if you remember, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt where, when God brought them out of slavery. And also remember Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt with the baby Jesus to avoid being slaughtered by, by King Herod. This verse can apply to both of these situations. However, it's referred to in Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, he rose and took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of by the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. God's plan for redemption was that Jesus would come to be the savior of the world. And folks... He is the only remedy, he's the only hope for man today, is to have a personal relationship with God. And prior to Christ's death, his burial and resurrection, man would pack up the family, they would travel to the temple, they would offer a blood sacrifice to atone for their sins. All of this would point forward to the day that one day Jesus would become the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the entire world. It was looking forward to the day that hope would ultimately come and, and hope would die and take our place. And, and folks, Jesus would burst forth on the scene and offer eternal life. This hope, this great hope to all people, were to people living under the law. They would never be able to measure up they would never be able to be good enough to deserve God's favor, to deserve God's love. Their life would never measure up. And in fact, the word of God tells us in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We do not measure up. God is perfect. God is holy. And folks, man falls desperately short of God's holy. He cannot allow sin into heaven. So he had to provide a substitute. He had to provide a, a sacrifice. Those that were dead in their sins, those of us who do not know Christ as Savior, before Christ came, it was we were looking forward to the day that Jesus Christ would come. But Jesus came to bring hope of eternal salvation. Jesus offers new life in Christ. He offers us the hope of heaven, folks. You and I, as we're looking back, we're looking back to the day 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. We look to the story of how Jesus was born in, in a stable in Bethlehem. And we see the depictions of that throughout uh, nativity scenes. And you often you see, we have a beautiful one up in the lobby. I want you to, as you leave church at some point during the month of December, walk up towards Kids City, towards the teen room. See the, 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 the display of, of all of the, the characters who came and and visited the Christ child. And I love seeing Miss Callahan made that 35 years ago at least. And uh, it's a beautiful picture of, of the shepherds who were, uh, who were warned, hey, Jesus Christ has been born. And, and they followed the, the star. And ultimately, sometime later, the, the wise men come onto the scene in, in Egypt and, and, and witness the, the birth of the Christ child. And folks, Ultimately, all of this is looking forward. We look back to the cross. We remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. 
the hope of salvation. And folks, hope has come. Hope has come. In fact, when Jesus came to earth, he came just as Jesus Christ said. As God said, Jesus Christ would come. I invite you to look at our text this morning in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive, what's that word, church? Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Heavenly Father, would you speak to our hearts this morning? I don't know the, where each person is on their journey this morning and where they are in their relationship with Jesus, but I'm thankful your word clearly tells us that hope has come. Your word clearly tells us you loved us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And that very first Christmas, as is, is, is Christ came forth onto the scene, he took on human form, he took on human flesh, he was born of a woman, ultimately that he might lay down his life and die on the cross. I'm thankful for your sacrifice. I'm thankful that not only did you... Uh, die, but you took on my sin, my punishment, my shame. And, and Lord, the sins of everyone in this room, everyone uh, in, this, in the entire world, past, present, and future, Lord, you died on the cross to make possible a right relationship with God the Father. Lord, would you get, uh, get our attention this morning, and Lord, may we focus for the next few moments on that fullness of time when it came, Lord, you sent your son to pay for our sin. Lord, those who may not know you as Lord and Savior this morning, God, I pray that first and foremost they would understand that there's a God who loves them. And hope ultimately has come. And hope makes possible a relationship with God the Father. Would we this moment... Be that moment that they understand their need of salvation. They confess their sins to holy God and begin a personal relationship with you. Lord, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, may this Christmas season be an encouragement for us to share that hope of the world. Share the relationship that we have with Jesus. And God, may we share the truth that Jesus' hope is coming again. Hope is ultimately coming again one day. And and Lord, we want to tell the world so that they can know them, that they can have a personal relationship with you. God, would you speak to hearts? Would you transform lives today? Lord, during this Christmas season, as we study about the hope that is coming and the hope that is coming again, God, may we understand the relationship that we have with you now and Lord, how we're here to tell that story and be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus. Would you speak to hearts? Would you transform lives? We'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Hope has come. And when Jesus came to earth, 
he offers this morning the process of adoption. He's offering us to be adopted into the family of God. And folks, I love that the picture here in our text, before Christ came to earth, he says we were slaves to sin. In fact, if you back up and read verses 1 through 3, it talks about being a slave. And ultimately, those of us who know Christ as our Savior, Christianity is the place where all of us are level at the foot of the cross. But folks, before we came to faith in Christ, the Word of God says we were a slave to sin. Folks, we were dead in our sins. We were, we were bound to our sins. We could not find a way. We could not figure out how to get right with God. And folks, maybe that's where you're at today. You say, Pastor David, I'm, I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to do all these good deeds. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here at church today. Uh, that's a check. Uh, I, I'm going to probably give some money in the offering today. That's a, that's a check. And I've got on my Sunday best. I've, I've got my Bible under my arm. I've, I've, I've been baptized. I, my name is on the church roll. I've done all of these good things. And folks, the reality is all of the good deeds we could possibly do in this life will not gain us entrance into heaven. Some of us are counting on uh, all of the things that we've personally accomplished in the name of, of, of God, in the name of the gospel. And I've helped build the church. I've, I've been a part of this church for years. I've done all of these certain things. And folks, did you realize all of our righteousness, God's word said, are as filthy rags. In other words, nothing we could do could ever gain God's favor or his measure. We don't deserve it. And folks, he says the process of adoption is a gift. That God gives us. He didn't want us to spend an eternity in a place called hell. He sent his son Jesus so that our sins could be forgiven. So that our hope could be forever settled in a place called heaven. And all of the Old Testament pointed forward to this moment in time. Everything was B.C. before Christ. But folks, in fact, every book of the Old Testament speaks of the coming Messiah. All woven throughout the entire word of God is pictures of what Jesus Christ would ultimately do as he came to earth. I remember years ago being in a, in a conference and a pastor, Jerry Vines, was, was retiring after, I don't know, 45, 50 years of ministry. And he had pastored a First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida. And we were sitting there in that uh, closing service of this, this uh, pastor's conference and uh, a building with that seats 10,000 people, a church building that would seat 10,000. We're sitting here in a 300-voice choir, 150-piece orchestra, had just finished playing and, and singing. And he gets up to preach, and he starts in the book of Genesis. And he starts preaching about Jesus, the coming Messiah, in Genesis. And then he went on to Exodus, and then... Leviticus and Bobby, before you knew it, we were in the book of Micah and Malachi, and then he was going on to Matthew and Mark and Luke, and I'm telling you, it went, oh, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that building because before long, you just couldn't wait. I mean, literally, we were turning from, from book to book, and, and we're in Luke, and we're in John, and we're in Romans, and next thing you know, we're in Galatians, and we're talking about the fullness of time had come, and we're in Ephesians, and Philippians, and Jude, and Revelation, and by the time he gets to the end, I will never forget it, because I'd never heard a message like that before, probably will never hear another one like that since, 
But folks, the entire building of 10,000 people are on their feet cheering, not at a pastor, but at what Jesus Christ did throughout the ages to provide the hope of the world, folks. And folks, I watched him walk as, as he was finishing the book of Revelation. He was about where that Mr. Mr. Billy is sitting in the back, at the back of the church. And he finished and he walked out the back door. And the church choir and orchestra stood up and sang the Hallelujah Chorus. Folks, it was like unbelievable. I mean, no play, no production Broadway could ever do could top what happened that day as we witnessed Jesus from Genesis to Revelation pointing to the Messiah who would one day come. All of this speaks of the Messiah. He was coming from Genesis to Malachi, from, from um, uh, Matthew to Revelation. Here in verse 4, he says, When the fullness of time had come, when hope has come, and friends, it has, God sent forth his Son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, the Virgin Mary, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. One of the most beautiful pictures in all uh, of the English language of love is the word adoption. I love the pit process. and Adoption is a process in which someone chooses to say yes to someone who doesn't have anyone else in their life to care for them, to take on that role of being their parents, their provider, their, their nurturer, one that would take care of their every need. They're responsible for their well-being. Human adoption is often an extensive process. Sometimes it takes years to accomplish, and it's also a very expensive process. But folks, all of this mountains of paperwork... But Galatians chapter 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God's process was to adopt us into the family of God. Before Christ came, he says, we're slaves to sin, but now we can receive adoption as sons. When hope came 2,000 years ago, hope made a way for us to be adopted into God's family. He made possible that we could be a child of God. He came on, took on human flesh. He was born of a woman under the law. And then he says he would have to lay down his life and he became flesh so that ultimately he could die. He could take our place on the cross. He took on our sins. In fact, Isaiah 53 is one of the most clear pictures of what Jesus suffered and how he died on the cross. This was hundreds of years before Jesus would actually die on the cross, but it was a clear depiction of, of what happened that day. He took all of our sins on his body on the cross so that you and I could be set free from the slavery of sin, the bondage of sin, to ultimately be adopted into the family of God. So we see the process of adoption when hope has come. We also see the privilege of sonship in verse 6. I love the picture of what Jesus is doing. He says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Folks, Jesus Christ adopted us. He made us one of his own. We become a part of the family of God. God has sent his spirit into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, 
We can call him dad. We can call him daddy. As a young child, there were times that I was afraid of the dark. I know, you know, at, at this stage in life, it's kind of a little embarrassing to admit. But, you know, I had those moments that I would sleep with a lamp on beside my bed. I mean, with a 60-watt bulb. I'm talking like full-blown, the whole room's lit up like the 4th of July. And maybe that's why I like Christmas lights so much today, but I don't know. But anyway, I wouldn't sleep because I was terrified of the dark. Now, I don't sleep with the lights on now. I, I do have uh, rain music going on in the background. There's a fan on overhead, you know, just to keep it all uh, just so. But I, I'm, I'm extra. I get that. But the reality is, is, is there was that, that fear, that, the fear of the unknown, fear of the dark. But folks, there were times that it would get the best of me, and I would, I'd call my dad and say, Dad, Dad. My dad would get out of bed, and he would come and check on me. And I'm not talking like I was 17. I mean, I was talking like three or four, you know. And, and I'd cry out for my dad, and he'd come into my room, and he'd Dad, I'm scared. And well, what are you scared of? And, and, and half the time I didn't know, but it was the, the, the unknown. And, and ultimately he would, he would pray with me. He would, he would help uh, comfort me, but he would go back to his room. But folks, it was ultimately it was a, a calmingness. And folks, whenever we're fearful, when we're sad, when we're afraid, uh, we can call on God as our Father. We can cry out to our Heavenly Dad uh, in our time of need. When we're adopted into God's family... He changes who we are from the inside out. We become a new creation in Christ. In fact, he says all of the old sinful past has been forgiven and has passed away. Behold, everything is made new. To that, all of God's people says, "Woo, amen. Some of you just woke up. But the reality is when he says all things are passed, all things are passed away. Jesus Christ paid for our sins, and he says they're forgiven, and the word of God says they're cast into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered anymore. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. Where, do they, where does that end? There is no ending, folks. The reality is Jesus Christ has set us free. He has made us a child of God. He's adopted us into his family. We are a son and daughter of God. So no matter what your need is today, you can cry out to Jesus. Hope has come. God cares about your every need. He cares about the struggles that you're facing right now on December 4th, 2022. He cares about the greatest struggles of your life. He cares about the needs of your heart. So when you feel like giving up this morning, cry out to Jesus. When you feel like you've lost everything, cry out to Jesus. When you feel, fill in the blank there, cry out to Jesus. And Pastor David, you have no idea. This year has been the most horrific year of my life God knows you can go to your Abba Father you can go to your Heavenly Dad and cry out and say God I don't understand I'm struggling I'm, I'm struggling to even believe I'm struggling with he knows he cares 
when you feel like there's nothing left to hold on to, God cares about our every need. And he says, the God of this world, he, he says we can cry out to him. He hears and answers our prayers, and there's nothing too difficult for our God. Do you believe that this morning? Woo! There's nothing, nothing. Sometimes as a, a youth pastor, some, we would take prayer requests, and, and maybe it was in a, a, a Bible study setting, and, and someone would say something, and that, and like inevitably some middle schooler was like, that was stupid. That was a dumb prayer request. No, it's not. God cares about the very needs of our heart, the struggles, the cries of our heart. He cares. Cry out to Jesus. There's nothing too difficult for him. But we see thirdly and lastly, we have the promise of being heirs. All of us are longing to have that moment where we find out there was some rich relative who, you know, didn't have any other children and they died and left a mass fortune to it. I mean, anybody else like that? You're like, you just wake up one day just thinking of what it must be like to, to wake up and be a, a multimillionaire or a billionaire and, and find out that, you know, there was somebody in your family tree that had money nobody knew it. I mean, uh, most of, I've looked around our family area and there money, money anywhere at all, you know, in the whole, I'm, I'm playing with it. But I mean, the reality is, it's like just the other week we had the, the big uh, uh, jackpot and everybody was thinking about what they would do if they won all these hundreds of millions or bill, uh, bill, $1 billion. What would that look like? And, and we start to think of what it would be like. Folks, do you realize as a son, as a daughter of God, he says we are fellow heirs of the riches of God's glory. Folks, you and I know Jesus Christ. He says you're no longer a slave or seven, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God, heir through God. What an incredible privilege we have to be an heir of God. These Gentile converts in Galatia are not slaves despite what they may have been told. The word of God says their new title is an heir through God. Sometimes we, we do face suffering in this life. Do you realize as a child as a child of, of David and Tana Fry, our kids, there's certain things that they can't do. My kids hate when I talk about them. They're, in fact, they'll say, don't, please don't tell that story from the pulpit. But, you know, we have a rule in our house that our kids can't date until they're 16. Now, you say, Pastor, I think that's a dumb rule. My kids all agree with you. All four of them agree with you. That's a dumb rule. But you know what? We're the mom and we're the dad. And so our rule is not till 16 and then only with mom and dad's approval. All the other parents in the room, uh, it's time to get on board. You know, you can say amen now. But you know what? A 12-year-old is not ready to, for a dating relationship. Anybody else agree with that, all right? A 14-year-old is not ready to date, all right? And we're, we always remind our kids, when you're dating, when you're in a relationship you're dating for the opportunity to find a potential future mate. Do you realize that? So dating at 12 and 14 and 15 years old, your mind, your brain, your intellect is not developed. You're not ready for those type of decisions. 
And some of you are like, shut up, Pastor David. I mean, you're, my parents are going to redig the whole thing I can date when I'm 14. You're not ready for that. And then I'm thankful because the reality is, is these kids are, are, are desiring adult relationships, but they're not adults. They're not ready for those types of decisions. They're not ready for those. Their, their brain hasn't developed that way. And folks, all of these things, do so we make these rules? While you're in our house, as our child, you don't date until you're 16 and only with mom and dad's approval. Do you realize then the guy has to talk to dad? Wow. That's mean. <laughs> that's tough. No, that's because we love our kids. And we want God's best for their lives. And we want to get to know them. We want to know that this is a, a good person who has good intentions. And, you know, sometimes you have to put the fear of God and the fear of dad in that young man. Because I was a youth pastor for nine years. I don't trust any boy. I mean, I just don't. Not even my own. I don't trust them. I mean, they, they all have uh, you know, the same intentions. And anyway, I, but as we get to this point, ultimately as a child of God, there's God sometimes chastens us. Sometimes he corrects us. That's how we know we're their son. And folks, sometimes my kids hate that. But you know, on the best of days, I believe there'll be a day when they get married that they'll look at dad and say, thank you. Thank you for pointing me in the right direction. Thank you. Folks, that's the same way with our heavenly father. He corrects us. He instructs us. He directs us. He directs our path if we'll allow him to. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? In our life group the other week, I, I mentioned, I said, I, I recently heard a, a podcast. And this mom was on there and she said, we believe in free-range parenting. I literally started laughing out loud as I'm driving down the road. And she says... You know, we just let our kids do whatever they want to do because we feel like eventually they're going to figure it out. And, and she said, so sometimes our kids don't wear shoes when we go out in public because they just don't want to wear shoes. And sometimes our kids don't do this or don't do that because, and she said, their clothes don't necessarily match and we don't care whether they fix their hair or how they, fix, how they cut their hair. And we don't do makeup. I said, as I was listening to it, I was literally getting angry thinking to myself, that parent should not have children. Because at the end of the day, if you don't provide direction and discipline for your children, one day the cops will. And they'll spend an eternity either dead or in prison uh, for the rest of their natural born life. Folks, the reality is we need discipline. We need instruction. But he says as a child of God, he provides all of that. So the Holy Spirit works within us. He convicts us as needed. And folks, it's, it's, it isn't always a fun process, but rather he leads us towards righteousness as we become more and more like Jesus. The reality is this morning, if we know that we are sons of God, nothing separates us from his love. Aren't you thankful for that? Nothing separates us from the love of God. So folks, we are not only adopted, he says, we have the privilege of being called a son and an heir through God in Christ Jesus. Perhaps you're struggling right now. Maybe you're facing hardships and difficulties. Maybe you're being tempted on every side. You're tempted to quit on God. Can I just say in these moments, 
lean into that God who is our heavenly Father. Cry out to God. And folks, He offers forgiveness. He offers healing. He offers restoration. He offers to take the pieces of our lives that oftentimes we make an absolute mess of and He puts them back together. And folks, it's a beautiful picture of redemption. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're facing hardships. Cry out to God. Call on your Heavenly Father. Trust in His care. Why? Because He is our hope. Say, Pastor, what's the application? In the Old Testament, the prophets of old told of the long-awaited Messiah. Hope is coming. Of All of this pointed, the creation pointed to the day when Jesus would come as the Savior of the world. I wonder today, have you been adopted as a son and daughter of God? Have you been adopted as a son and daughter of God? Has there been a time that you placed your faith and trust in the God who sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you received the hope that has come? Have you received the gift of eternal life? If not today, is the day to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Hope came in the form of a tiny baby 2,000 years ago. And the Word of God says His name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. God with us, God in the flesh. Hope is also coming again one day. And I wonder today, are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Hope has come and hope is coming again. This Christmas, we celebrate the hope that Jesus provides as a heavenly father. As he adopts us into his family and folks we become heirs through God in Christ Jesus he offers us a right relationship and folks we look forward to the hope that is one day coming again do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior there's no time like the present to get your salvation settled there's no time like the present to Begin that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. As God speaks to your heart, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to, to get that matter of your salvation settled for once and, once and for all. And our desire is that you will experience the hope of a personal relationship with Jesus this Christmas season. If you know him, share that hope. Jesus is also coming again. Hope is coming again. Share that story. Invite your neighbors. Invite your co-workers. Invite your family to experience the hope in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, would you speak to hearts?